Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai. It's Sunday. It's fight night here on Ace Podcast Nation. Welcome to the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. And today is episode 100. And I'm delighted to say that uh, it's a very special show, a huge show, should I say, as tonight we'll be joined from across the pond by a reigning champion of the world. Plus, we'll have our resident boxing pundit, Ben Doty, joining us a bit later to talk about boxing's biggest upsets as well as talking the latest news and results from the world of MMA and boxing. You can send your questions in as usual. We're in live uh, on all three platforms, Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. So, of course, you can get your questions in for us or our guests. And uh, there's one way to support the channel and guarantee your questions get answered. You can donate a super chat on YouTube, I believe. And uh, as I mentioned, we're live on those three platforms. And uh, as you know, Ace Podcast Nation, 
you're home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. So do give us a follow on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, click the bell for notifications. And if you prefer your podcast in audio platform or audio, audio version, should I say, you can get it now as part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, the UK's first dedicated sports podcast network. You can find the Danny Batten Fight Show, all our previous uh, episodes, all 100 of them, all the different guests. And of course, you can find all content produced by Ace Podcast Nation at the Sports Social website. So please do check them out. But uh, with the housekeeping out of the way for now, I am delighted to say, first and foremost, I'm joined by, as usual, by my co-host. He's a former Cage Warriors champion, a UK MMA legend. It is Mr. Danny Button. How are you, my friend? Sightlessness. Yeah, really good. Uh, um, as always, love doing the research on not only our guests, but the fights that we've had. And we've been treated to some awesome performances on the fights. Again, can't wait to uh, preview those a little bit later on. Yes, indeed, mate. It's been a good week of uh, a good weekend of fights. Indeed, it's very interesting. Lots of interesting stuff. But um, I have to say, I am I'm delighted to say that I'm. Uh, we are joined by one championships featherweight champion of the world. It is Mr. Thanley. How are you, my friend? Doing good. Doing good on this Sunday. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad no, to be no, here. It's, uh, it's great to have you, mate. I'm um, obviously. The obvious place to start, I guess, is um, I uh, I did a little interview with you a few weeks back um, in uh, in the build up to your fight, which was due to be in just a couple of weeks uh, at the One X event. You were going to defend your title versus Gary Tonin, a fight I think every MMA fan in the world was anticipating and really looking forward to. Uh, that that event has been postponed uh, temporarily until uh, after into into the new year. Uh, how do you feel about that? And also, was it a shock to you or was it something that you were kind of prepared for? Um, it was a shock. I guess the news was a shock, but it's, um, you know, you get little signs here and there. We didn't get flight plans or anything yet. And usually they're pretty early with those things. Uh, certain emails about medicals. So you can kind of tell something was uh, up in the air. You know, they weren't as early as they always are on things like that for the fighters and the coaches and management and all that stuff so um you know you you get a little paranoid i guess when it starts getting mm -hmm. closer to the fight and you know uh the event's gonna happen weight cuts getting to where it needs to be you're in the middle of camp you know you um you already know what what paycheck's supposed to be coming so it's it's uh you know you really anticipate stuff like that and then and then you get the news. So it's, it, it sucks, obviously. I, I definitely wanted to get my hands on Gary, and I'm sure he wanted to get his hands on me. But, um, you know, we'll get to it. And it uh, just gives me a little more time to be prepared, which is always a good thing. You know, I've, uh, I've said that to you guys in the past. That the uh, the more time you give me to prepare for somebody, the worse it is for them. Um, and, and I'm sure Gary feels the same way. So I'm glad I'm getting the best Gary possible. That's the reason I got into this sport. And the reason I, I fight at this level is to fight the baddest dudes and the biggest challenges. So that's a, that's always a better situation for me, no matter what. So I always try to look at the positive side of things, you know. Stuff, good stuff. I think, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great card, first and foremost. Anyway, obviously you had yourself and Gary, but you also had uh, Mighty Mouse versus uh, Rodang, which would have been a hell of a fight to uh, to watch. But I'm sure, you know, those it'll still happen. Um, 
with that, that just how does that work like with a postponed card does the the con the fight contract and everything kind of just still stand and the date gets changed or will it all have yeah. to be renegotiated yeah, they're, well they're working all that out and um i think everybody was happy with where they were at as far as um purses and timing and all that good stuff so you know we were ready to go and uh his side of the team i believe was ready to go as well so um really now it's just find another date and let's rock and roll like hopefully it's as, as soon as possible but you know if it's uh we're expecting first quarter but you know who knows who knows how things are going to shake out i know there's some news about possibly having uh one championship debut in the States here. I mean, there's all kind of little rumors coming around. I don't really know much on that front, but uh, I'm really excited that uh, that's even a possibility for me to be fighting close to home. And I'm sure Mighty Mouse is excited about that. I'm sure Gary's excited about that. So if we can make that happen, man, I'm on board. And if I had to push the fight back a little bit, just to just to have the opportunity to fight here in the States, I'll take it and I'll go take take my trip to Asia after the fight. <laughs> yeah, I guess like that's one thing uh, which you have to take take into account with the fighters who are obviously there's a lot of fighters based in the US and North America who in one championship when these big events come around they are traveling to Asia which is like how much of an impact does that have on you in terms of uh you know like time change and things like that and adjusting like when you get it's, that pre-fight um... Yeah, it's definitely, you know, if you prepare the right way, um, I, I like to think of myself as a, a thinker and I try to use my brain about a lot of things. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. But um, with things like that, you know, I, I'll um, start to flip my schedule as soon as possible. So we get the get out there in the past maybe eight, nine days ahead of time. Uh, one requires you to be there just a few days in advance, but I always like to get there a little a little sooner because of the time change, the jet lag, that whole situation. And for my first fight, my debut with one, I, I had no idea what to expect. You know what I mean? You hear stories and you try to get as much information and research as possible, but you don't know and you don't feel until you actually do it. So I uh, usually flip my schedule a couple days here in the States. So I'll be training at like midnight and eight in the morning and then I'll sleep during the day, basically like a night shift, you know, um, yeah. I'll do that for a couple days and then we fly out. And then on the plane, if you've ever traveled far, like, you know, you everything's dark all the time anyway. So you don't really you can't tell day or night. So hopefully I wanted to be in a rhythm by the time I got on, on the flight. And, um, you know, you do your meals, you, you sleep, you stretch, whatever you got to do on the plane. And by the time I get there, you, you're definitely not 100 percent, but you're pretty close. And then, you know, one day of kind of being up a little longer than you used to and then going to sleep a little early and you're pretty much on track as long as as long as you prepare i tried to prepare as much as possible and uh get mentally ready for it but it's not a huge deal but it was definitely uh something i've never experienced before and um if i have the option of doing the the 20 hour flight or fighting here in the states obviously i'd like to fight in the states but i really like the trips over there i've never been to asia before competing for one so seeing all those countries and, and the scenery and traveling and doing all that stuff was such every fight's an adventure for me. So I, I can't complain about that either. It's really fun. Cool. Cool. Look, it's been a wild, uh, a wild sort of 12 to 18 months, probably nearly two years now in terms of all the stuff with COVID it's had a, it's kind of decimated uh, combat sports, particularly more so I think in like the amateur scene, um, 
I don't know what it's been like in America, but for pretty much the whole of up until maybe the last couple of months, probably six months, I'd say, there was no amateur fights at all. Um, and there was only really Cage Warriors fights in the UK and no other company was really putting on like big shows. And I think in America, from what I could see from over here, it seemed like it was kind of UFC. You had a little bit of Bellator. Was that the same sort of thing? Like not much amateur and regional shows going on throughout that time? Yeah, there was a big uh, lull in that, obviously, as you can expect. But then, you know us over here, we're trying to, they're trying to uh, bring in as much money as soon as possible, whether it's the best choice or not sometimes. And uh, so they've been doing regional shows and we've been going and trying to be as safe as possible and mask up and all that good stuff and every, you know, trying to get vaccinated, whatever. And, uh, you know, coaching and having our fighters fight on shows because we're trying to keep them on a schedule. So it's, uh, it's definitely been less so, but there has still been some fights, and and it's uh, it's a little weird, honestly. I, I I remember the first one back. I was a, kind of a little uh, a little nervous. Like, man, there's a lot of people in this room. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what to expect. You know, there was this weird thing that wasn't there, where like when particularly when everything sort of first came back from lockdown, like you'd go into like a shop or a room, and and like you say, you'd be you'd almost be you you're counting the people. You're looking at the space between you and you're like the oh, has he got a mask? It's it's just, it's just this weird uh a weird thing, like a new thing to sort of uh manage and, and worry about or whatever. But yeah, I think hopefully, you know, touch words that things seem to be getting better, although I thought they were, and then the one X show was called off or postponed. Right. So I think you know, it's different parts of the world as well. I think uh, sort of a different you know, different levels of uh, vi- the virus and stuff like that. But uh, like you say, you just got to do all the good stuff and mask and things like this. Um, but Danny, just uh, just uh, something which sort of caught my ear there when we were talking to Thorne was um, you said about like traveling to Asia to fight um, and the time differences and things like this, or the effect that that can have on a fighter. Like obviously you fought in Japan uh, with Pancras and, and places like that. Like what was... What was that like with you? With how did you manage the time difference? Because I was just thinking then, when um, Thorne said about like the like trying to adjust his schedule before he flies out, so doing it at home, training in the night and sleeping in the day and stuff like that. But that obviously has a knock-on effect if you've got children or you know you've got things which you do in the day normally. Whether you if you if you train people, I know you didn't have some, necessarily some of that stuff back then, Danny. But like. How did you deal with the time difference and the and the traveling and things like that in a build up to fights and that? To be honest, you know the the way it is for Thorn is is different from how it was for me um, because my situation was a little different in that you know it was sort of like fifteen years ago plus, and so opportunities when they arose quite often regards Japan come up short notice as they did even for the states when I fought out in Vegas. You know, it all come quite short notice for me. But, you know, you jump at these opportunities as it was back then. Now there's many more world-class promotions. So those opportunities could be more prepared for you. You get more in advance. And like, Thornley, you know, you traveled out like up to nine days, I think you said beforehand. I had no such luxury with my experience. Um, I was arriving on the day of the weigh-in. Um, and you know, what, what a lot of people perhaps won't appreciate with that is that your body retains water. So uh, I was landing, jumping on the scales, and uh, I didn't know this was you know, one of the 
aspects of long haul flights. But uh, the weight cut was absolutely horrendous for me. Running around Tokyo um, for hours after landing. Um, yeah, the, the experiences I had were woefully against uh, any foreigner um, stepping onto their turf. And, you know, with my three experiences out there, it was almost um, set that way to go against you. But that said, you know, it was great experience in seeing world. Oh, he's got music. Sorry, that's my fault. <laughs> I've got a new phone and um, it seems that it's on really loud. I apologise. That has never happened to me before. And I don't even know, don't even know how to turn it off. Heard of my life. Yeah, so... Go on, Danny. Yeah, to, to, to wrap it up for me, you know, so I uh, it was such a whirlwind. I didn't even get a chance to feel the jet lag till after everything that had happened. Uh, but it does weird things to your jet lag. Um, it, it, it really does just do strange things to you. Um, you know, it's something that you can try to explain to someone, but unless they experience it themselves, they won't quite understand. And to do it in the format of trying to be at the highest level of combat sport that's got so many ways to win, so many ways to lose, it, it's a, something you definitely have to weigh up into the equation if you're traveling. And, you know, you've got to prepare for these things. So my experience was a little bit different. But um, I can appreciate the potential difficulties that come along with traveling. And, yeah, if I could always uh, take a big fight at home, I would always choose to do so. Yeah, and I think, look, the other thing as well is it, like, for people, um, I think, of over the last couple of years, like, one championship has put on some incredible uh, shows and cards. They got some, you know, phenomenal fighters. I think, obviously, the Mighty Mouse sign-in was the one that kind of caught everyone's attention because it was quite shocking. Um, to see him sort of leave the UFC and, and switch with Ben Askren. But, like, you only have to look at some of the fights that have been on through the company over the last couple of years. They've been unbelievable. They've done some stuff, I know, on TNT in the States um, on Wednesday nights, I think it is. So it, I really do hope they, you know, expand into the US and do more US cards because I think that's only also going to enable them to to bring in more fighters like yourself, Thorne, like Gary, um, like Mighty Mouse, all the, and, you know, people will, there's there's probably, I would imagine, there's some fighters who don't want to do that sort of travelling on a regular basis. And I, th- I think it's only good for the sport to have more major companies for fighters to choose from, um, which is in a whole different conversation, I guess. But um, we've got, there's low, uh, very uh, lots of people on YouTube. There's like over 200 people on YouTube, so you'll have to bear with me, people. Uh, but uh, Gaz says, um, he sent in a super chat, and he said, uh, which featherweight, past or present, would Thorne like to fight? Ooh, Interesting. that's a good one. I mean, there's a ton that come to mind. Obviously, I'm going to start at the top and go with current champions. Volkanovski's a big one, obviously, uh, regarded as one of the best. Um, you can't uh, push aside Max. He just had an awesome fight, um, which I didn't catch at all. I need to watch the last uh, two rounds, but I saw the first three. Um, great, great fight. Those two guys are always at the top of the list. Um, I've been hearing a lot of talk from uh, from AJ offering up a million dollars, but if that uh, if that million dollars to come beat him up in his uh, in his hometown is still up for grabs, I'd love to go take advantage of that. That's a good one too, because I. I need some money. I drive a little mm-hmm. forerunner. I'd like to uh, upgrade that. Um, but yeah, those are just a few at the top of the list, man. That's uh, the greats, the baddest, 
scariest dudes, you know, like uh, McGregor from eight years ago or six years ago, whatever it was, when he was at 45, killing everybody, being double champ. That's the McGregor I'd like to fight. You know what I mean? Like, there's a ton of really, really tough challenges that that always, like, spark something in you. As soon as you hear the name, those are the guys I want to fight. Is there, um, is there any fighters from, like, any companies at the moment, like, younger fighters, sort of new new fighters, which have caught your eye over the, the last, sort of, couple of months or the last year or so? I mean, there's been a bunch. Um, they got a... It's been hard for my eyes, uh, or I guess my uh, my fuel division wide through all the promotions uh, since we've got such a stacked featherweight uh, division in one. Um, watching Martin have a tough fight and, and getting knocked out by Kim was uh, was nice to see Kim perform. And uh, he's uh, somebody that I definitely am, am going to be matched up against. Uh, hopefully we can take out Gary and, uh, and get a quick turnaround and fight him back to back and get another nice little paycheck to uh to match the knockout so that's uh that would be really nice but yeah there's a ton of young guys coming up really really sharp striking uh which i'm excited to show my full range of actual mixed martial arts rather than uh just going out there and knocking people out so i'd like to uh i'd like to mix in some of the other uh some of the other stuff we've been working on too um so you mentioned martial arts there as a whole um one question I always like to ask the guests because everyone's got a different story is um, kind of where did your journey into martial arts as a whole begin? How did you get into it? Why did you get into it? So how old were you? I, uh, so I kind of didn't have a choice. I kind of cheated. My, uh, my dad's been doing Taekwondo and Kung Fu and a little bit of Judo here and there. And just, you know, do, he's a lifelong martial artist um, from Vietnam came over to the States when he was 22, I believe. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Um, and then a few years later, had me, and I was just kind of born into it. So ever since I could move around and possibly throw a kick, I've been doing Taekwondo. So like, you know, three, four years old, something like that. Um, going through Taekwondo classes every day, growing up in a martial arts household, a martial arts school. I mean, all my childhood memories are in Moon College in the Taekwondo school. They're traveling with families to to uh, tournaments, going to nationals, going to San Antonio, going to Orlando, going to Vegas. Like my first plane trip was to a tournament to do Taekwondo. Like it was really cool. Um, that that was my entire childhood. It was just straight up martial arts. Not much. Yeah, I didn't do any other sports. Sometimes I wanted to and. I had to stay on track, you know what I mean? And I wasn't super happy about that, but I'm really glad the way, obviously I'm glad the way that turned out. I'm glad the way, the way in which my parents made me kind of stick with it. They did it um, not in a forceful way, but in a convincing way, I guess you could say. Um, and yeah, it was just, um, I, I had the best dad slash coach you could possibly have in martial arts, I think, to be honest with you. And, and the way, if my kids choose to do martial arts, that's, 
that's exactly how I want to be, you know, is very encouraging, uh, very supportive, not much pressure at all. Um, that came on its own. Obviously, you have your own pressure no matter what. Dad's the teacher and you do all these tournaments and stuff. So he knew the will to win was there. So he did a really good job as dad coach. I talk about that in a lot of my interviews. And um, but yeah, that was that was how I got into martial arts. And I did Taekwondo all the way up into being an adult. And then um, a buddy of mine, Carlos Vera, who's I still go with. I'll see next week, actually lives in Virginia and training with Ryan Hall and teaching striking classes up there. I'll be going to visit those guys next week. And um, he was with me. Uh, my family was with me, obviously. Uh, and my brother, who's my coach now, was with me as well. And me and Carlos kind of just looked at these local amateur MMA fights and was like, man, you know, we've, we've done a lot of Taekwondo and we're kind of in a kind of in a transitional period. We weren't really competing much in Taekwondo. And I'm like, do you want to, I mean, do you want to try to take a fight? Like, fuck it. You know, let's, let's try it out. It looks really cool. It seems like the next logical step in our mix in our uh, martial arts like journey uh we knew we wanted to do martial arts our entire lives so uh so we agreed to do it we signed up for a fight with zero training like never put on boxing gloves at that point never wrestled never grappled it was the dumbest thing that i've done in a long time and um i would never let any of my fighters do that now you know what i mean it was it's absurd but we took it back then and we thought it was cool and we tried it out. I ended up training it for a couple of months and luckily got a first round knockout. Carlos also got an amazing first round knockout. And then we were, we were sold. We were bought in and we trained every day. Like we were pros, you know, in the morning before work, uh, got off of work and went met up and immediately started training. And then we fell into our, we used to train with a, a buddy of ours, high Tran, who shout out Tran, miss you. Um, who introduced us to my current head coach, Sean Gayton, at uh, Mid-City MMA. And that's it. Like, we've started training every day and living the life and trying to make something of it and finally made it a career, you know? Yeah, this... Um, when when you make that decision, so obviously you were predominantly, early, in the early days at least, like Taekwondo and stuff like that, like, was... Was there was it a long decision to sort of expand into the into the other aspects of it, or was it pretty instant decision to sort of? It, it was pretty instant. That? We were, yeah, we were kind of winging it. Like I don't know, this looks cool. It seems like something that we could possibly kind of be good at. So let's go try it out. And we're not the not the brightest guys so we uh sometimes we do some stupid stuff and it happened to work out this time <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it um what about in terms of like when you were younger like uh watching mma was this that was that something you did or was that something you only sort of started to be have an interest in later on so oddly enough um my dad and i had a bunch of people over to watch the first ufc uh the, for whatever reason, the fight that stood out the most was like, I can't remember the guy's name, so shame on me, but ball-headed, um, light-skinned guy in, uh, I believe, karate pants, and he fought this heavy set, like maybe Samoan-looking Asian guy, and kicked mm. him in the mouth, knocked his tooth out the cage. It was awesome. Everybody's going crazy. So that was our first, like, cage-fighting, raw, like, real fighting type of experience that I saw as a kid, and I'm like, 
holy shit, like this, this, this is crazy. Like this is nuts. And uh, it kind of, I kind of fell off uh, following it for a little while after that and then got in back, really back into it as an adult, as a young adult. And then uh, kind of paid attention to it here and there. And then uh, when we first started taking our, our amateur fights, our first amateur fight from then on, we were pretty, pretty deep into it and trying to watch all the old stuff and all the current stuff and all the new stuff and trying to learn as much as possible. But yeah, it was, it was crazy having my first experience watching the first ultimate fighting championships, not knowing what to expect and seeing all these, I mean, these guys were yeah. you know, grabbing each other's nuts, headbutting each other. It was awesome. Man. It was crazy, but it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, crazy. When during the first lockdown, myself and Danny, because there was no fights going on, we went back and kind of reviewed some of those early shows. And like you say, those first those first few shows, there, there's literally no rules, and it's just eye gouging, headbutts. It was awesome. Is no weight limits, so you had like massive heavyweight guys versus tiny Royce Gracie and it was it was awesome it was a spectacle that's for sure um oh there is a question then off the top of my head um so if there if there was no rules like that which heavyweight would you like to have a go at man Francis, I don't know Francis and Garnu there you go yeah if, if I don't get to uh run around a soccer field uh, and use what I have and to my advantage, I don't know about sticking me in a cage with one of those guys. I might have to go be a banker or something, man. That's uh, <laughs> that's rough getting locked into a, a cage with no rules. I know where I'm aiming first, but I hopefully I'm successful. Yeah. You know, we, we're going for the soft miss. first. Yeah, don't miss. <laughs> don't, don't miss. That's yeah. all in it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I, I just got a question on, I'm kind of curious about because I've had the experience of both fighting in the ring and the cage doing the aspects of MMA and you know to me I noticed you know a quite a large difference you know, you know in in what I would say would be a strategy Do, did this make a big difference for you and what would you say would be the advantage for you to fight in the ring or the cage um so personally I like the cage I prefer that I've got most of my experience in the cage the ring was very different like you're saying it's uh it's different because I've also didn't do traditional boxing as a sport. I didn't do traditional kickboxing more Thai as a sport. So getting cornered into an actual square box and getting stuck in the corner is, is something that would be new to me. And I fought twice in the ring and I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, but I have seen in previous fights where it has helped the person avoiding the takedown um, kind of like flop over the edge and then we get reset and things like yeah. that. So it depends on, I guess, the refs and the rules at the time. I'm, I'm not sure like uh, with your experience, how that was, but um, I've seen that and uh, it's something I could possibly plan for. But if I get to choose, since I happen to have the belt, I would pick a cage. Uh, I feel really good against the cage as far as like wall defense um, with strikes and grappling Um being able to turn my offense on when I do have the opponent on, on, on the cage. So those things I do like a lot. I don't have a ton of experience putting people in corners and beating them to death. So that that's another thing, like uh, as far as opportunity lost, you know what I mean? So yeah, if I get to pick, I pick the cage just because I've spent yeah. most of my time there. That's how I train. I haven't spent a ton of time boxing and kickboxing, like in the traditional sense. Um, so being stuck in a corner or putting somebody in a quarter in, in my best, isn't my best thing. How did you? Yeah, uh, yeah. How did you feel? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, I, I had the taekwondo start out as well for my martial art careers, but I also, um, you know, fought, 
know, decent level Thai boxing as well, which they're both opposites, as you know. You've got Taekwondo, which is about hitting and not being hit, and then you've got Thai boxing, which is staying as close as you can, relying on your tight defence and then counter-capabilities. But, um, yeah, I, I would say striking-wise, if you're more traditional in terms of boxing, kickboxing, K1, where you have that close quarter capabilities, I'd say the ring definitely suits. You know, you can cut people off and work the close round strikes. Now, I did say to you uh, that I would watched extensively your fights, um, particularly today, um, although I have seen you fight before, but because we knew I knew you was getting on, coming on as a guest, I thought I'd make a bigger study. And you definitely have a long and medium long range uh, capability. And when people come in, you, you, you extend back uh, and throw your strikes. In fact, you got a great knockout in your last fight against Martin. <laughs> Let me get his name sort of right. Martin uh, Nagayan, would you pronounce his name? So and, he and, pronounces it uh, Nguyen, I believe. Nguyen. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that was a great fight because some of the fights that I see you did do, you was dominating the range and the distance for your preferred striking style so well that no one was able to really put you under pressure. And I, as I was watching your fights, I was thinking how I'd like to see you fight someone that's got that in-close capability and, and try and cut you off and squeeze you. Um now, you know, you did use the cage and the space very, very well. Um, and you switched your stance, which I know is something that's familiar with Taekwondo guys. You do have a preferred stance, but we're not alien to switching stances. And the way you knocked him out was very, very clever. You you actually switched your stance to orthodox because you're predominantly uh, southpaw. And you switched briefly. And then as he come in, you threw your cross hand switched back. Um, um, you know, when I saw it very, very quickly, I was really pleased to see that they'd done the slow-mo of it. Um yeah, so I can absolutely see why you favour the, the, the cage element. And I say that definitely suits longer range strikers, but certainly the ring would, um, would suit the closer range strikers. And the other thing as well, and don't know whether you would agree, but it seems to be that the cage can suit the wrestler better and the ring seems to suit the judo stylist, partly because they do try to sit their hips back, don't they, to try to avoid uh, the takedown. But of course, if you sit the hips back, it allows for hip throws and hip tosses. Um, yeah, it's all fours and against, and I was kind of curious to know your preference because, you know, one championship do hold it in both ring and cage. Um, yeah, interesting. And, you know, to throw you another question why I've got your attention, because um, otherwise I'll hog it. I've heard you numerous times say about, uh, you know, how you're excited to show off your more complete skills. And um, also, uh, you know, at the beginning, uh, you were saying that, um, you know, the longer it takes for me to face someone like Gary um, or anyone else, you know, the worse it's going to be for them. Now, you know, this resides strongly in how I felt I was. Like, uh, I really felt like, hey, I'm really on the increment. No one's seen what I'm capable of and what I'm going to be capable of because I knew I was improving quick. It does seem, although we've not seen much of your grappling skills and your defensive wrestling, but it does seem that you've become pretty confident to know that if you're forced into other arenas, you're ready to deal with it. Um, is this something that behind the scenes you're getting really confident with? Are you, you matching top grapplers now and avoiding the takedown against sort of like national level wrestlers? Oh. You just broke up a little bit. There we go. I, yeah, I apologize. Yeah. I heard 90% of that. And at the very end, because um, we were talking about you were talking about the grappling and, um, you know, how I'm getting more and more comfortable with the grapplers that I'm facing, but at the very end, it cut off. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just um, saying that you numerous times you've mentioned that, you know, you yeah. want to show off your true roundedness and, and you're ready to do that. And also at the beginning of the interview, on numerous occasions, you mentioned how that the longer you're out from the fights due to the COVID creating restrictions, uh, that you're just going to be more ready and it's going to be even harder to beat you. And this just really resides strong in how I was feeling during my career when I felt like, hey, you know what? take me down I'm ready for you there it seems like you're feeling very very confident that you know no area where that fight might go that you're gonna feel like it, you're vulnerable there anymore and um, you know so I was asking really you know are you getting your successes therefore you know in your grappling and in your anti-wrestling and your wrestling you know you know tell us you know what, what's behind all this confidence um it's been a long road of getting better to be honest with you like my uh you know, my grappling wasn't up to par at the level that I'm competing in now, just even even five, six years ago, you know. And uh, from camp to camp, I, I pride myself on adding tools that fit my game, but getting better. Um, but not just, you know, little by little, but making big jumps in understanding, which translate to things hitting by itself, translates to things coming out organically and, and you kind of teaching yourself a little more of that art because you understand certain concepts and theories. Right. So, um, that's big with me. And, and obviously I have a, an amazing, uh, friend and instructor and training partner in Ryan Hall. That's helped me understand grapplings on a completely different level. If you've ever heard this man teach, or if you've ever purchased any of instructionals, or if you haven't go do it, this man, he, he's, he teaches so well, the information that he, that he sends over to your brain from his is amazing, but that's, that's who's helped me so much. And that's where I get a lot of my confidence from is train, obviously training with him, learning from him, but you know, um, him putting me up against certain guys that, that are actual high level grapplers and being able to train and him coaching me through it and us reviewing the tape and, and looking at what we messed up and looking at what I need to drill to get better. And just putting in the time, like it sounds so basic and fundamental, but it's the truth. Like I, I drill my grappling, twice as much as I drill my striking and I spend a lot of time drilling my striking and then hitting mitts and sparring. And then I'm doing double that in my grappling side of things. And I, you know, if I go through my entire career and you don't see any of my grappling, I'm okay with that because I know what type of, you know, martial artist I am and, and how complete of a martial artist I've become over the past few years. And that's why I do it is for me, not for any of these guys out here watching. Although I love putting on a good show. Um, being a complete martial artist is for me and for my journey and if i do get to show it awesome gary's probably not the guy to show my grappling skills against uh <laughs> on my first time out if you guys haven't seen it first so i'll try knocking him out and then working on it and showing you guys on the next go around but um <laughs> if gary does get me down get me against the cage i'm uh i'm very comfortable in you know, the situations that I've been put in and I'm very comfortable in facing him because of the guys that I face on a on a daily, weekly basis um, training wise. Like I, I don't it, it's not a situation where like, uh, you know, an opponent of mine could say, yeah, I train with a karate guy. So I definitely am ready for Tom Lee. That's a little different. I'm not a traditional Taekwondo guy. I also have certain type of like you like you mentioned long range hands long range kicks that kind of feed into one another's as far as games go it's designed like that it's meant to put you in a, a predicament and put you in a dilemma based type of uh, situation and my grappling does the same thing on the defensive side on the offensive side so um but i do get to face 
a world-class one in my opinion the best grappler on the planet here at, at our weight and he's got a lot of the same skills and, and is very good in the same areas that Gary's in the uh, skilled at, you know what I mean? So he's not a copy of him. He's not a mimic of him. They do have very different games, but they have a lot of the very similar concepts that they approach with um, a lot of the same paths to victory. So it makes, it makes a, a different type of high level matchup for me to, to understand in my mind and to understand physically. And I think it's, um, it's as it's as good as I could have asked for to face somebody like Gary. To be honest right. with you, there's not one other person on the planet I would have rather trained with. So, right. I find that really interesting because my next question literally was um, that Gary Tunin, I think, is widely renowned by a lot of people as probably one of the best grapplers, uh, certainly at featherweight in the world. Like, is uh, this going to be your toughest test? Because obviously, we've seen that you've got knockout power. Um, but as Danny mentioned, you haven't maybe been able to show your grappling skills yet uh, as much as your striking skills. But obviously, like you just said, maybe Gary's and Gary Tunin's not the guy to sort of try and showcase that. But maybe, you know, you know, you never know how the fight's going to go anyway. But is Gary going to be your toughest test yet? Do you think? Um, I think this fight in particular is going to be an extreme one way or the other. I think it's going to be a one-sided affair if it uh, stays on the feet and I work what I think is going to happen in the fight, obviously. That's the way we plan on it. Um, but things don't always go as planned. Um, but, you know, I just don't see him getting to me. I don't see him getting to my legs, and I don't see him putting me on the wall, to be honest with you. Uh, I think this fight's going to it's gonna be a smart, intellectual fight in the first round or two. And I think... Um, he's going to really start needing a connection and that's what's going to get him knocked out. So it's going to be that extreme or he comes out, I throw a punch, he takes me down and now I'm in the, on the ground for five minutes and we're going to see what my grappling is made of. Um, either way, to be honest with you, 100%, obviously I'm supposed to say this because it's, it's an interview, we're doing a podcast and now a lot of people are going to see this and I'm very comfortable on the ground. Like I'm, That's what I'm supposed to say, but I... I don't know how else to express it to you. I'm, I'm really excited for this matchup. I'm really excited that, you know, I hope it doesn't go to the ground. I knock him out in five seconds. I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. So we do get put on the ground. I'm really excited for the world to see what I've been spending years and years and years on. Um, and you know, we're being realistic here. I don't expect him to take me down and me to, to sweep him and get on his back and rear naked choke him. But I don't think he's going to be able to run his game plan. I think I'm going to get back up to the feet, and I think I'm going to knock him out. Mm, yeah, looking at the two different styles, if you don't mind me just mentioning this, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, not only do you have a striking formatted style, but you have this medium-long, long-range striking formatted style. So, obviously, the, the location of the positioning of the pair is going to matter. But, you know, the tempo is always in your advantage in that it's easier to get your hands and feet touching on Gary than it is for Gary to get the kind of advantageous touch that he needs because his touch is not a contact of strike. His touch that he needs is the clasping of his hands. Um, so, you know, you lead that tempo. So it, it, is, it, it is that balance. Can you keep that tempo advantage and keep that range? Or is he going to find cunning ways to, to shut into you and get a hold of you? And once he gets a hold of you, that's obviously going to be a different affair. You know full well that's going to be a, a difficult affair. You know he's going to be an absolute bag of tricks there. Um, 
it's going to be such an interesting match uh, for that reason. It almost becomes an old style match um, in that you've got you know people demonstrating extremes in two different environments, um, and it's one to enforce it over the other. Um, it's going to be intriguing. There's going to be a lot of people, you know, dialing in to watch this one. Um, and for me, out of the interest of actually, you know, being able to talk to you and talk to Gary, seeing how intelligent you both are, um, it, it's going to be fantastic. I'm I'm really excited, and uh, that's one thing that really gets me excited about this fight is it's kind of got an old school feel, like you said, like yeah. old traditional grappler versus striker, and obviously the general consensus of the fans is that why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples because this isn't just any vacation this is all the vacations Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. He's really good grappler and doesn't have any striking at all. He could never knock me out. And then I have great striking and have terrible grappling. And as soon as we touch the ground, I'm going to get tapped. And obviously, we know that's not the case. We've seen Gary's gra- uh, striking improve. Um, I'm telling you, whether you know whether the fans believe it or not, I'm, the, a lot of experience in, in the grappling side of things, and that's getting much better daily. So it's, uh, I think it's going to be like a hybrid twist on the old school striker versus Yeah, grappling. exactly. And it's really interesting to me. If I was not the fighter and I was the fan, I this would be definitely one that interests me as I'm just a plain old martial arts fan. Mm. Yeah, I got to say, like, as there's there's a lot of fights uh, being planned at the moment. We've got some friends and people we've had on the show who are about to get quite big fights. It's all very exciting. But I think I said a couple of weeks ago, the um, the Thon Lee versus Gary Toonan fight is right up there for my level of excitement for any fight any fight in the world. Just because, like you say, that that old school feel, that just that clash of styles, and what I widely regard as two of the best fighters at that weight class in any company. So it's like, that's what you want to see in in MMA. Like Danny, we've talked with boxers. We've talked with um, our boxing pundit, Ben Doty, about the one thing which hurts boxing is that the best don't always fight the best at their peak. And then here you've got the featherweight champion fighting the number one contender. And it's like the best for you, the best. That's what you want is you want to see the best. As a fan, I want to see the best fighters fight the best fighters. Thorn, for you as a champion, as a fighter, is that what you want to do at all times is basically test yourself against the the best possible fighters that you can come up against? 100%. I think um, you run into some fighters that have, uh, and not a knock on them and not a praise on me at all, one way or the other, just um, got into the sport understanding that it was sports entertainment. I got into the sport not understanding that. I got into the sport for martial arts and mixing the martial arts like and, and fighting in a cage. That's that's why I got into it because I actually love it. I enjoy doing it every day. So I don't have camps. I just train all the time. I, I like it. It's it's I'm cheating. You know, I like it. I get to do it as a hobby. It's not like I have to do it for work. So we like we you run into situations where people pad their records and things like that so they can 
attain certain things in this sport. And I was, I was just never one of those guys for better and for worse. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get to pad my record and team up with some of these guys with the big camps and get in their Instagram pictures and this and that. And I don't know this guy and I don't know that guy. Maybe I didn't get picked up by certain promotions because of that reason. And I don't care. I'm never going to compromise who I am as a martial artist. And I'm definitely sacrificing uh, or paying for it. I should say I drive uh, a four runner, no five Honda. Like I, I, I live in a small town. Like I don't have a ton of money, but I do what I love on a daily basis. And, and I'm, I'm happy about it. But all that being said, I do it because I want to fight the toughest guys. That's why I did this sport. If I was going to fight the toughest guys as an amateur and that's what we looked for and I would have went 0-10, then maybe I wouldn't be a fighter today. And, um, you know, maybe I found out it wasn't for me, but it was for me. And I did like it. And I'm trying to find the baddest challenges because that's why I want to do this. That's what wakes me up to train every day and keeps me loving martial arts. If I was really doing it for the money, I could have either changed careers or just taken on a, a different character, kind of like a, a Colby situation and play character and play it up and get the big fights and make some money and and maybe not fight the toughest dudes all the time. You know what I mean? And that's just not the way I want to go. That's just not me as a man. That's, you know, that's not what I want to show my kids as a father. I don't want to show that to my family, my, my little brother, my wife, things like that. You know what I mean? I, um, yeah. I guess carrying myself a certain way because that's the that's what I am inside so you know that's a, I guess a long story a long route but that's my explanation on why I want to fight the baddest guys and then the most dangerous guys and the scariest guys like it it is truly me I'm not talking shit that's just the way I want to do it you know what I mean yeah yeah I I, I love that attitude I really do I think it's uh, phenomenal um but just to sort of kind of finish this off before we let you go about your uh, your Sunday um, I wanted to ask you about your you had a, uh, a go you had a fight on the contender series, um, the UFC contender series, which is obviously uh, it picked up a lot of steam in recent months. There's been some quite big fighters come out of it. Um, like how how was your experience with that? How do you think it went? I I you know, enjoyed the aftermath it. And stuff? at the time. It was um, definitely the biggest paycheck I've gotten to fight, so that was really cool. Um, and then fighting a guy from ATT, I believe, uh, strong coaches, strong boxer, definitely a guy built to uh, kind of combat my style. I, you know, we like longer, medium range. He likes inside boxing. Uh, is Don's footwork going to be able to keep up and, and keep him in that medium to long range? Or is he going to be able to have his distance closed on and, and start to pay because this guy can throw heavy hands? So it was a great experience preparing for it. That's probably obviously my second favorite part the my favorite part would be fighting but um i enjoyed that part of the game understanding who he is what he's going to try to do how try to get into his head his camp's head you know that whole thing um so that was great the whole experience of going out and doing the media and videos is always cool you know making seeing yourself sweat flipping tires and running on a track is always cool too you know like a little highlight video um and then obviously getting the knockout was great. I enjoyed that. I, I'm happy with the way that fight turned out as far as performance goes. Um, that's something I focus on a lot, a little less on results, but a little more on performance, how I felt. What did I express from my art as a fighter? And all that felt really good. Um, and then obviously at the end, getting the knockout was great. Not getting the contract was at the time devastating. Uh, I thought I had a great showing, 
I didn't get touched. I basically went out there, didn't get touched, and knocked this man out cold in the second round. It was about as flawless victory as you can get. But I also didn't talk shit. I didn't have the whole sugar show type of situation going on. And um, I didn't have a back and forth match. You know, like uh, I didn't get to show heart and cardio and all that good stuff. And, you know, at the time, it broke my heart. And I was in the back, like, after a very nice knockout in the back of my coaches crying my eyes out because I, I didn't get picked for a contract, you know what I mean? But honestly, I am so happy the way things played out. Um, would I like to compete against uh, UFC caliber guys? For sure. And I am just that one one championship with those guys and those dangerous, dangerous guys. I get to face guys like Gary. I wouldn't have the opportunity to face guys like that in, in the UFC, you know what I mean? So uh, very excited for where I'm at. But, yeah, that experience was a very up-and-down situation. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it must be weird to 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 win and have an almost flawless victory, but then be come out with, like, an, a negative mindset. Um, what was the feedback that you had from from, from Dana White on, uh, on your performance? Because, obviously, from a performance point of view, you can't have done much more. Yeah, honestly, I didn't. Um, I didn't really talk to him much. Um, Sean Shelby and I actually keeping like very distant, you know, cordial touch. You know what I mean? When I see him at events, if I'm cornering somebody, I'll say hi to him, or we'll have a little conversation, or whatever. Or we'll text each other every now every now and then before the one champion stuff popped up. Um, but you know, it's um, happy with the performance you look great we'll, you know we'll try to get you in when we can and uh it's just wasn't something i was ready to wait on you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um so yeah i don't know uh it could have been like an age thing it's something that comes to mind when uh and then the style of fighting like it's definitely not the so i made a joke earlier but it's really not the most exciting style of fighting and i understand that but i don't really give a shit because i think that's personally i think that's the best way for me to fight so that's what i'm gonna do if I don't get picked up by certain organizations, then oh well, so be it. I'm going to fight the way I think is best so I can talk to my grandkids and my great-grandkids, you know, in a bunch of years and, and have normal conversations and not be brain dead, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a very real thing. I've had two concussions, and that's too too many, so I'm trying to have zero more, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, if, if that's the reason I didn't get picked up or the age thing, I'm totally cool with both of, both of those reasons, and I can't make anybody like me. You know what I mean? So I, I like we talked about earlier, I kind of roll with the punches and uh, things have worked out really, really well. I'm very happy with where I'm at. So no complaints on this side. Uh, so what I want to uh, do, uh, Thorne, just before I let you go, I, uh, we have something which is basically called the uh, the one word game where I just give you a, a list of names, ask you for your, the first thing which springs to mind when you hear that name. But uh, just before I do that, I'm going to throw you some questions from the the live chat which uh, people have been sending in uh craig sullivan said is it uh tough now moving the fight to just after the or if it's just after the sort of festive period and and christmas and things like this the holidays like does that make it more difficult to prepare for fights um no not at all i um i don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing but i've missed a lot of uh christmas and thanksgiving meals and it's it's really not that big a deal. You know what I mean? I still get to spend time with the family. That's the most important part. And discipline's always been a pretty, pretty one of my strong suits, I guess. So it's, it's not really that big a deal. Um, every now and then it gets to you, but yeah, you know, you have a big, uh, 
a big prize waiting for you early next year. You know, you've got a big uh, meal waiting for you and you can have all the turkey you want after that. So mm-hmm. it's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Uh, Reese said, uh, as a fighter, when someone starts talking about you in the media, about wanting to beat you, etc., do you take notice or do you just ignore it? Um, so if by take notice, you mean, do I hear it, listen to who it came from, try to hear the hidden messages and how, if we ever were to match up, would he think he could beat me? Absolutely. Does it like make me mad or piss me off or like any other emotion? Like zero emotions. Uh, to things like that, I'm like a robot. I, I pay no mind. Now, my wife, brother, coaches, on the other hand, they'll go and comment back on shit. Man, they get fired up and they fucking, they go crazy. And it's awesome to hear them go back and forth, like, between each other. But, uh, and then, you know, we talk about it, obviously. But I, I'm like a robot when it comes to that shit. I don't care at all. I get just, you know, I tell my fighters this a lot and the guys I help with mindset and stuff. Like, you know, you can't take the negative comments and, and let that kill you or affect you. And you can't take the positive comments and let that make your head big and, and make that don't, don't get your confidence and pride and, and happiness from the ups of that. Cause there's downs of that. Don't, don't get it from any of that. Get it from within and your family and all that. That's a big message I send to my guys. Good stuff. Um, and then another question was um, a lot of uh, boxing fighters and MMA fighters will travel to America for training or in the UK, they'll travel from, to different gyms to get different learning experiences, different training uh, partners, coaches. Um, what's your thoughts on on that going to different gyms? And also, would you like to travel out to Europe and Britain to experience that as well? One hundred percent. I would love to. I'd love to put together some kind of seminar tour and go out there and train with all the all the awesome guys y'all have out there. It'd be fucking phenomenal. That would be cool. Uh, see Danny, see of... Danny, Danny's eat, Danny's, Danny's. Oh yeah, come, come to our gym. <laughs> uh, we, we, actually, we are, we have got uh, you know an international sort of like size and equipped um, a gym uh, in the recent years, last sort of three years. So if you ever was going to come over to England, go Milton Keynes, Northampton way, and you'll be made super welcome there. So what a 40, 46 and a half thousand square feet facility, um, even place to stay there if if you needed be. But yeah, you and buddies want to come over and train alongside with us. Oh man, what an experience that'd be! We might be able to sort something out regards seminars and stuff like that if that's something that ever interests you. We're gonna have to figure, get in touch with me after this fight. We're gonna have to figure something out. That'd be Absolutely, great. that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, first part of the question. Uh, yes, traveling and training. I think it's a must. Um, I'm just. Um, I don't. I'm not real. Um, I guess it's not super common for me to go to the big gyms and spend like weeks and weeks to do camp. Um, how could I say this? I guess um, like, I feel like I know my game the best. Um, some fighters come up in, in the ranks as amateurs and their coaches almost know their games better than they do and, and kind of dictate what they need to think and practice and drill. And I, I 100% get that because I do that for certain guys. Um, but I am kind of that guy for me. So I like to be the primary um, skill builder as far as like gaps in the game, what we need to, but I love to outsource opinions and information because it's not all going to come from me. I am nowhere near this guy at, in MMA. So I go to like campsite Jackson Wink and talk to Greg Jackson and those awesome, awesome coaches and fighters over there. I've uh, been to 
I go to TriStar and, and pick Faraz's brain, awesome mind, MMA mind, and great team over there. You know, um, I'm constantly at 50-50 with Ryan Hall, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, he's always here. We're training together on a weekly basis almost, you know what I mean? We're spending so much time together. So, and um, we've also gotten information from Resistance uh, in Cali with da Darren uh, Yumanura. I know I'm killing your last name. I'm sorry. Um, it's just a, a ton of minds that we're getting together and trying to pick and get as much information from, bring it back home and just let me drill it and learn it my way. Let me drill it slow, drill it fast, drill it with resistance, drill it with this guy, drill it with this wrestler, drill it with this jujitsu guy, like being able to take the info from all these great minds and, you know, help where I can and then bring it back home to my area and then let myself kind of skill build on that, those items, you know? Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, Gaz says, get Carlos Vera on the show. Guy is an absolute killer. There you go. He's a, yes, indeed. He's a very, very good fighter. I like that one. That's a good comment, Gaz. I like that. Um, Donna says, um, what was, what is your biggest achievement in your martial arts and fighting journey so far? Hmm. That's a good one. And that's a very hard question. I'm going to say, um, getting to the point where I am now to be able to make the money I'm about to make on this next fight. Part of why I was disappointed that it was pushed back because I needed a good Christmas. <laughs> but um, <laughs> because what that money is going to do is be able to let me do what I want with my team. I'm going to be able to take care of my family. I'm going to be able to, you know, in the grand scheme of things, my wife can quit her job if she wants to. My dad can stop working these crazy hours outdoors at these refineries and doing construction and he can teach martial arts like he wants to every day at my gym i can take my friends my brothers and and they can quit their crazy labor jobs and come teach at my gym martial arts because we spent so much time getting good at martial arts like i i don't want the money to drive a ferrari which that would be cool but that's not why i want that the reason i want that is to be able to put my entire little circle in a, in a self-sustaining ball of martial arts and, and family and friends. And then it's kind of like its own little ecosystem of money going in and out and bringing in students and teaching martial arts and coaching guys. And, and my family doesn't have to do all this hard work that they've been doing for years and years and years. Wow. It really says something about you to, to talk in this way. It was never really anything that you mentioned about your personal self other than the ones that you care most around you being able to make choices through the comfort of what you could offer them financially it's incredible that you talk like that like and literally it's unnoticed. yeah yeah it's literally the only reason that it was heartbreaking that i wasn't getting big contracts like i i have a little old you know 1800 square foot house and i told you i got an 05 honda accord and a and a forerunner i bought after my last fight and i don't need much else you know i want to take care of my kids obviously but i don't need anything else i want to take care of my family i want them not to go through things that they've earned and learned from but guess what you don't have to do this anymore let's just go and yeah. chill at the gym for 16 hours if you want or go chill at the gym for eight hours and teach a couple classes like let's you know, somebody did well enough to take care of the rest of the group. Now it's time to chill. That's uh, like quite it. something. I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, okay, Thon, before we let you go, let's play the one-word game. I'm going to give you a list of eight names. You just say the first thing which comes to mind when you hear that name. The uh, the first name on that list is uh, Conor McGregor. 
Trailblazer. Uh, next is Paddy the Baddy. Entertaining. I like that. Uh, Dana White. No. <laughs> Awkward. Hater. Hater, there you go. There we go. Uh, Gary Tunan. Exciting. Uh, Jake Paul. Smart. Uh, Colby Covington. Act. <laughs> Canelo Alvarez. Goat. Yeah. Uh, Kamara Usman. I can't make it one word. Hang on. No, you're all right. It's going to be a phrase. Use more than one. The more I hear about you, the more I like you. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Who, uh, <clears throat> just very quickly, who do you think should be next for Kamara Usman? Man, I don't know. I mean, he took out Masvidal, obviously. He took out Colby. We've got Leon waiting, right? And then Leon was supposed to be matched up with who else? Who's the, the, the one-off? Uh, so he was going to fight. Uh, Leon Edwards was due to fight Masvidal, uh, Masvidal wasn't he? And that was called off. It's pulled out. Right. <sighs> Damn, there was another name in there that I was thinking they were going to match to Mayev, I think. They, yeah, okay, that, so that, yeah, was yeah. The, that was the, the hype boost, like the one that's going to skip some spots that I thought could, they could possibly put him up against it. But, you know, Leon, I think, uh, even though he waited a little bit, I think he's the next one, man. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, Leon, we've been signing Leon, Leon for a while. To. You have yeah. to. Yeah, okay. All right. Sure. There's not much he can do. <laughs> There's not much more that Leon Edwards can do for me. Yeah. Before he right. It's not a case of being biased because he's UK. It's not even a case of being biased. I mean, this guy keeps getting the wins at the highest order. And why he hasn't been given a title exactly. shot? Exactly. You're not biased because I'm on this side of the pond and I think the same damn thing. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, Listen, uh, Thorne, Lee, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Uh, it's been great to have a bit more time with you this time and really delve into you a little bit, get to know you even more. I uh, really appreciate your time, my friend. Um, and obviously, we look forward to uh, to your next fight. Uh, hopefully, not too not too far not too far away. But um, keep in touch, and uh, obviously, have a great Christmas and all that good stuff. But uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you soon, my friend. Same Absolutely. to you guys. Thank you Thorn, all so much. Let, let's get connected, Dawn, and try to arrange something. If we can ever get you over this way, make it worth your while, it'd be a fantastic experience all around. Listen, I'm serious. Let's do it after this fight. Let's get in touch. We'll figure it out. Absolutely. Let's do that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, I'll pass on your contact details to, uh, to Danny Thorne and then he can uh, sort it out with you then after, after your fight. But All um, right. good man. Thank you guys. Okay. Cheers. Thornley. What a man. What a man. Yes, mate. Really, uh, really enjoyed that. It was a really fascinating, interesting chat. But uh, no time to waste, 
my nope. friend, because waiting patiently in the wings is our resident boxing pundit, Mr. Ben Doherty. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm good, guys. How's it going? Yeah, great to have you back. An unplanned uh, visit from you this evening, because initially we didn't have, I hadn't planned to have you on. We sort of wasn't a really, really big fights on last night, but there was something which really, really caught my eye because um, I had half an eye on the boxing last night. And yeah. then I saw social media and Facebook. I saw your Facebook was full of comments. There was a bit of a shock last night. Yeah, there certainly was. I mean, you know, Kika Martinez, it, it was an incredible um, situation to see him turn the tide against Kid Galahad like that, you know, and, 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 and score that stunning knockout. I think I was so convinced. I nearly posted, you know, you just know this is going to be the most one-sided, pointless affair at this stage because Kikar Martinez has been a, a great, you know, world, he's been a, not a great with a capital G, but he's been a, he's been a really solid world-class fighter for, for Aeons, you know. I think, he, I think he's probably older than he's listed age of 35, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, but I figured he was so shop-worn at this point. And, um, and he looked, he looked shop-worn um, in the early rounds, you know, because he, he looked like he'd lost that ability to ride a shot, was getting hit to... I mean, he's always been aggressive, you know, and he's never been Nicolino Loche or, or, you know, um, Willie Pep defensively. But he looked like he was shipping just too much punishment. And I thought, is this the night that the wear and tear is going to show and he's going to get broken down? Because, to be honest, somebody messaged me um, just before the fight and said... Um, Galahad on points at three to one's got to be worth a go, isn't it? And I thought, yeah, because the guy's tough as old boots, you know. So I, I stuck a tenner on on um, Galahad on points, meaning that I wanted uh, Kiko Martinez to go the distance. And to be honest with you, in the first four rounds, I didn't. I thought he was probably going to get broken down because he, he looked like he was taking too many shots early doors. You, you know the rest. I mean, the, the, yeah. he, he lands that big right hand in the, at the end of the fifth round. And Galahad is saved by the bell, obviously hasn't recovered and is sparked by the very first punch of the of the sixth round, which, yeah, I think it's life-affirming, to be honest with you guys, because I was so tempted to say this is a pointless, you know, this is a very uninspiring first defence and it's just going to be, you know what it is. And it wasn't, was it? Which reminds us that anything literally can happen, not just when two heavyweights are in there, when two featherweights or anything else are in there, when two fighters are in there. One punch can can change everything, and you, you've got to be happy for um, Martinez because he seems like such a dedicated athlete. He says that he said today, you know, or yesterday, he said might be a surprise for everyone else, but it's not to me. He said I've been living like a monk for three years, sacrificing, <laughs> and and I believe he's now regarded as the greatest Spanish fighter in history. Which all right, so they're not massively talent deep in all time greats, but you know, um, fair play to him. I, you know, um, what can you say? Yeah, absolutely, and I think. Um... There's there's a there's a lot of different aspects to it. It was a it was a home bout for Kid Galahad. Um, I saw Eddie Hearn's kind of reaction afterwards. He seemed genuinely quite shocked and a little bit upset. Um, yeah. Obviously talking about the re the rematch afterwards. I saw a few people um, on not too many, I guess, but a couple of comments on social media saying that the the coach shouldn't have sent him back out after he got knocked down and it should have stopped. You know, at the end of that, I think it was the fifth round. One at the end yeah. of that fifth round, they should have stopped it. Then he shouldn't have come back out to get knocked down again. But you know, it's a title fight. He's defaced his first title defense. It's in front of his home crowd. I can understand why. You know, you give him that extra bit of leniency, if you like. Do you think that's a fair shout, or do you think it should have been stopped? No, 
absolutely. I, I think I would have sent her out, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's a very tough call to, to pull the plug at that moment, isn't it? When, you're, when your man is, has been without putting too far, and I heard the other American guy cursing, so I will do. When your man is bashing fuck out of the guy the, yeah. in the way that he was for four rounds, and as you say, he's only been hit once. He's made one mistake, essentially, which and his mistake, by the way, was, was admiring his work a little too long and backing up in a straight line um, with his chin in the air, you know. So he made that mistake, but... When you've got a chance to talk to him and work, whirl the towels around to give him a bit of air and throw water on him and put the ice pack on his neck and say, now, come on, get behind your jab, make yourself scarce for, for a round or two, I, I think I would have absolutely sent him out. And I, no way did I expect him to get nailed with the very first shot of the next round. So it's easy to criticise Dominic Engel, but I, I wouldn't. No, I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was pretty much uh, as it should be. You've got to give these guys a chance, particularly... You know, it's his first title defense, and he dominated. Let's not forget, before the knockdown, he dominated that fight. So, oh, yeah. you know, it was only going one way. And of course, as you mentioned just now, uh, Ben, it reminds us that in boxing, in MMA, it can change on the uh, on the on the touch of a button, as it were. Um, yeah. But it did get me thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to put this question to Danny in a minute from an MMA point of view as well. So I'll let you've got a couple of minutes to think, Dan. But um, for you, Ben, talk to me about some of the biggest boxing upsets in history, because I know you are bang on with the facts and everything. You'll be able to yeah. rattle off a few. Well, OK, well, the big I think the biggest one, bar none, it is Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas in February 11th, 1990 in the Tokyo Dome, because... You know, um, I mean, it just was shocking at the time. I don't know. Uh, I know both of you gentlemen would have been old enough to have seen at the time, probably. And I think you must have been living in a cave if, if you missed it. So, I mean, I just thought it was surreal. It was sh- and also it was surreal in the library-esque kind of at- uh, atmosphere of that Japanese, the politeness and the quietness of yes. a Japanese crowd, which is very not like a Western crowd. It? it was utterly, it was utterly spellbinding, surreal and shocking, you know to see Douglas do that. Some people said you could get I mean, 42 to 1. That's always the price you've given in it, that he was a 42 to 1 underdog. There are people who say it was only one Las Vegas casino was offering that price at the last minute. And and people say, there are people in England who claim to have got it, you know how it goes. Whereas mm. other people say, no, you don't, you never got that price in England, no way. You got about 25 to 1 or 37 to 1 maximum. But in any case, yeah, that, that, that I think one still stands out as the biggest. I think... Cassius Clay versus Sonny Liston was pretty huge at the time. I mean, he, all right, he was about a seven to one underdog, but there was only three of forty-six experts polled before the fight picked picked Young Clay to win. That was a pretty massive seismic upset. Jack Dempsey, Gene Tunney, certainly the first time in um, nineteen twenty-six. The first fight was at the Centennial Stadium in Philadelphia. That was a huge upset at the time. One that a lot of people don't realise these days is Jim Jimmy Braddock, the Cinderella man, when he beat Max Baer in 19... I believe it was 1930... would would have to be 1935, I believe. Um, when he, he was a massive underdog. I think you look back and you wonder why, because you can see it as Baer was a heavyweight of a certain level, charismatic guy, lethal puncher, but never took training too seriously, liked the ladies too much and the kind of playboy life. And you see Braddock was a dogged, dedicated guy, a little bit small, coming up from light heavy, but... I've always struggled to see why it was such a big upset as it was, but it, it, it's gone down in history as one of the biggest upsets. If you want to go really far back, uh, John L. Sullivan, when he lost to James J. Corbett in September 1892, um, in, uh, I believe that was St. Louis, but don't quote me. But um, that was a huge upset at the time because John L. Sullivan was uh, you know, undefeated, you know, he was the, the, that, that kind of invincible giant figure in American life and, you know, back then. 
Donald Curry versus Lloyd Hunnigan, that was massive at the time, you know. He, he was thought to have, you know, if Brian London had, had beat Muhammad Ali, it would have been that same level of upset what, what Hunnigan did that day. And also, more recently, Ty, um, Ruiz versus Joshua was huge, wasn't it? I mean, I think that really was. Yeah, that was massive. I think that's when I think back to fights that have shocked, like me personally, that one springs to mind straight away as like just why well, maybe it's recent memory kind of bias, but it was just, it was genuinely so Most shocking. Um, yeah. Gaz in the comments says he remembers when Nazim Hamid lost his first fight and he was shocked. But I think with that one, um, I think he lost, didn't he lose to uh, Barrera? I think like and that might have been a bit of ignorance from uh they obviously there was not internet wasn't as prevalent back then. Barrera was a pretty good fighter. He was he a great fighter, you he know. Wasn't I, a bum, think... Was he like you know, and Nazim Hamid, I think we were so used to seeing him showboat and win that when he did finally lose, it was shocking. But I think mm. people didn't realise quite how good uh, Marco Antonio Barrera was. I think they did. Yeah. I think they did realise it. I think he was his body of work was already out there, but I think he was thought to be over the hump. He was thought to be over the hill, and Hammond oh, okay, was yeah. Hammond had never lost, like as as the gentleman suggests. You know, he was he had that aura of invincibility also. But I think people knew that uh, Marco Antonio Barrera was like a kind of borderline all time great even then, and he certainly cemented that position. You know, by beating Hammond and going on a kind of second wind of his career. But uh, so that that was an upset. It was an upset, and it was a, it was a you know an eye an eyebrow raiser, but it wasn't on the grand scale. Leon Spinks Muhammad Ali in February 1978 was the other one when he was a seven fight novice who beat the heavyweight champion of the world. That's another huge one that that really stands out. Just want to correct myself by the way. Sullivan Corbett in 1892. That was in San Francisco, not okay. St. Louis. Not yeah, that anybody really cares. Just disgraceful, Ben. How could yeah, you yeah, not yeah. remember that? Yeah. Uh, Reese says a shock for another reason uh, for him was Ortiz versus Mayweather. He says, I remember Ortiz got it hit hard on the chin uh, and just gave up. Um, yeah, I think everyone's got like these personal ones which stick out in memory, don't they? And um, yeah. But I think uh, there's a, so there was another question. Holyfield Tyson is another one, by the way, Simon. Holyfield Tyson, yeah. the first one. That was huge. These are the kind of top 10 candidates for me, the ones I've, the, the ones I've mentioned so far, the ones that really kind of shook the world. If you want to talk about things that didn't shake the world, but there were some massive upsets, there was when Kirtland Lang went out and beat Roberto Duran. That was pretty huge. Randolph Turpin, Sugar Ray Robinson, July 1951 at Earl's Court. Massive, possibly the biggest British boxing upsets. Honeygun and Curry, Robinson and uh, Turpin could be, could be weighed up. They're right up there. Th those are the real seismic upsets over the boxing history. Uh, good stuff, good stuff, Ben. Um, just uh, Reese has asked a question. Uh, I gotta say, I'm not familiar with the situation, but he says, Ben, uh, can you talk to us about the Frampton McGuigan situation? Uh, Frampton won a big payout, it seems, and Barry seems to have been uh, selling tickets for big events to celebs. Uh, I know nothing about that, so I can't comment. But we'll see, they had a court battle, Barry. Right. And Carl, you know, after being obviously as close as they would have been before that, I don't know too much about the ins and outs. I've known Barry McGuigan for a few, to say hello to, you know, um, yeah. for a few um, for a few years. I'm certainly dating back to about 2011. I think I've been kind of friendly with Barry. Interestingly enough, I got, I'm pretty transparent when I come on here or, any, or talk to anybody else. Really, um, Barry blocked me on Twitter a while back, and I don't know why. And there's no, only two things. There's only two things I can think of. One is that. I'm friendly with Billy Joe Saunders, who obviously took the MTK kind of partisan position when Barry spoke 
out against the promotional outfit on Panorama, and he might have he might have lumped me in with Billy Joe, who was who was being quite abusive to Barry. Yeah. Or it might be because I spoke to Juan Laporte, who Barry beat in ten rounds in in one of his most significant fights less significant fights before he beat Eusebio Pedroza to win the WA featherweight title. And I'd heard rumours for ages that, that that Juan Laporte had not quite given his best and someone had had a word with him and told him not to go to unload his right hand in Belfast that night. Which And we spoke about it. And Barry might have got the hump because of that, in which case I apologise for that because I can see how if I'd have had a sensational victory and, and, and somebody was trying to call it into question in that way, then maybe I would have got the hump as well. You know, um, Of course. But, but Barry with Frampton, I don't know... Um, what I do know is Frampton appears to have got the result that he wanted. You know, he seems to be very happy with the way that was resolved. I know it went back and forth. He was he was basically talking about monies that should have gone to him, right? The monies that, that, were, that were directed away from him. Um, right. I can't remember the precise details of it, but he was definitely he was talking in seven figures of money that should have should have gone towards him that was somehow diverted. And I don't know the ins and outs of it. You know, and I wouldn't want to yeah. comment on the integrity of either party, but I do know Frampton appeared to get a good result in court. That that I do know. Um, every indication afterwards, I think they settled out of court in the end. It's, I'm not sure. If, I, I just think they have may have well, and it seems that seems to be they, the case. But they may have settled out of court, Simon. I think, but I think that the whole kind of social media <clears throat> body language from Frampton was that. Right, good, great. I can move on with my life now. But I think what is a shame is that he says he, he hates the McGuigans with a passion now, which is that's always a shame. They were you know, quite close, weren't they? they were like, well, they would have been incredibly close. I'm sure, like you know, like McGuigan and Bar- Circle of Life, McGuigan and Barney Eastwood, they were so close in that in that heyday, you know. And it was that kind of part of that cute story. Thank you very much, Mister Eastwood, and all that. And then they fell out big time and they ended in the high court. I think they won one case each against each other. I'm not sure who came up on top financially, but there was no love lost. But I do know that when Barney Eastwood died, I think last year, uh, Barry did publish a tribute. Classy guy mm. that he's always been saying, you know, we had our differences, but he was. But what an amazing man he was for me, you know. But, but I think Frampton has said that you know the McGuigans are dead to him now. That's what I believe his position is. You know, um, what can you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's sad when things go that way. Unfortunately, um, you mentioned the Panorama episode with MTK. Um, yeah. I haven't watched that. It's on my list. I got a very long list of things that I need to catch up. But could you give us like a quick overview of what was the gist of it? Yeah, um, essentially, Daniel Kinnahan, who who used to be the head of um, MTK, has um, a reputation in in, in in Ireland in particular, um, Dublin, where he's from. And for many, I know particularly the Irish government weren't happy about the idea that, as far as they were concerned, he'd reinvented himself in boxing. All I ever hear from fighters is that he's. I'm a, I have a friend who's very close to Daniel as well, who's a close friend of mine, who says he's absolutely fantastic. I'm aware Daniel Kinnigan doesn't have a criminal record. And uh, all fighters, including Billy Joe Saunders, have said, you know, he's a fantastic negotiator and he's always paid them fantastically well, you know, and and promptly and everything. And and all he's ever done is good things for boxers. I know people who promote with it under that banner now. A friend of mine who used to be an unlicensed promoter and then he started, got his you know, legitimate promoter's license. He, he promotes MTK shows now and it's been life-changing for him. So I've never heard a bad word about Daniel Kinnan in boxing circles, but other people say, other people say that he and his father before him were, 
were part of some kind of cartel that was doing X, Y, and Z. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Quite on quite a on quite a global, quite an influential scale. That's what people say. Uh, I wouldn't know, would I? But uh, but the thing is, <laughs> they, they, there was a program that they'd been dogging him for a while, and, and there was an expose going to come out, and BBC did it, and they, and they called it boxing and the mob, and they were trying to say that, that there was skullduggery afoot and things were not right. That's what the BBC were trying to say. That was the whole case, and the only person in the boxing industry who was willing to talk to them. And to and to be critical of of that particular outfit um, was Barry McGuigan, um, which some people thought was interesting, but because because of some of the mystique surrounding that whole kind of name and the brand, some people wondered what why he would do that. But Barry said, "I'm not worried about anybody, and I've been in terrifying situations all my life." And and that was, I mean, it's worth watching. Though to, I mean, I would say Simon from a point of interest, but. They did, you know what? They didn't really prove anything. Um, a lot of people in boxing said, "Oh, well, what was the big shock and what was the big expose?" At the end of the day, the the the, the response from MTK in particular was, as well as the fact Daniel Cannon is no longer associated with that company in a, in any official sense whatsoever. You know, Tyson Fury brought it on top in a bit, didn't he? Because he said, "Well done, Daniel Cannon." For, for negotiating the biggest fight in boxing history, me and Anthony Joshua, which didn't end up going off, as you know. But that's what seemed to draw the heat. The Irish government have got some kind of problem with Daniel Kinnan. And what they said was, what they seemed to be saying was, he can't just reinvent himself as a boxing promoter. We have an issue with this. And then mm. that's all this publicity had been generated. And I believe that there's an awful lot of talk about him in Ireland. I, obviously, there isn't so much over here. But I think in Ireland, there's, there's a constant thing going on in the newspapers over there from what i understand and they they they, they you know they seem to be unhappy with these eminence in, in boxing as much as anything else but at the end of the day the man doesn't have a criminal record yeah, everybody absolutely. in boxing who's ever dealt with him has spoke highly of him and that's well, as that's as much as i know boys guys i first and foremost uh ben i really appreciate because i just put you on the spot there and i just sort of chucked that to you because it came up and there were some people in the chat saying about it um, but Gaz makes the point, he said the BBC, lots of implications, absolutely zero evidence of anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, all unfortunately, I, all I that seems to be the way of the BBC a lot of the time these days, which is a shame. Yeah. It, it was a bit of something and nothing, to be honest with you. The BBC show, it didn't prove anything. And, you know, Barry stuck his neck out and, and said what he said. And he's had personal dealings because they some, some fighters who used to be with him ended up leaving and going to MTK. And the other side of the coin is some people say, well, it's because those fighters weren't treated properly and they have been treated properly since they've moved. All, all I know, like I say, is I, I know people who deal with him in boxing. Because Billy Joe, even whether he's, he's with MTK or not, Billy Joe said a while ago, if, if Daniel Kinahan is not around to, to, to negotiate my contract when he moved to DAZN, when he signed a deal with DAZN, so he could fuck Canelo, he said that I may not be interested in carrying on. He said I would consider retiring if Daniel isn't there to, to have my back. You know, So all I know, friend, friends of mine say he's a friend of theirs and, and, and he's, he's a fantastic guy to have you know, as an ally. Um, the, the, the other side of it, um, it's not something I really consider a great deal of my business you know i mean if, if yeah. something really was a point of principle that i ever feel like i've got to stand on that then i'll make the decision but all, all i know is that lots of noise about x y and z the bbc you know anyone who is interested in that bit go and watch the bbc documentary but the the, the word from boxing is all positive great stuff um as always ben an absolute pleasure to have you join us and uh, give us a little bit of an update on the uh, the boxing appreciate your time my friend and i'm always. sure we'll see you very very soon Absolutely. See you later. Cheers, Cheers Ben. Ben. Thank you, mate. Love it, mate. I do. I just uh, really enjoy having Ben on talking boxing. 
And I always say say to him, I'll always say to him, like, you know, 15 minutes, half hour, whatever it may be. And I said to him today, just be 10 minutes because I've got to be done by half past and and because i got to pick my son up on Sunday and I, I can't help myself. Cannot help myself, my friend. It just keeps going. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll just kind of talk about the, the results and stuff uh, over the weekend and um, and whatnot in just a sec. But before we do that, um, I have to say, and I'm uh, delighted to say, that uh, support for the Danny Batten Fight Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's and women's below-the-waist grooming Champions of the world, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer. It is the Lawnmower 4.0, as seen here. All across Europe, it's been launched. You heard that right. It's the fourth version. You can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. All you have to do is use the code FIGHTSHOW, and that's 20% off free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to kill two birds with one stone, one trimmer, should I say, and get yourself and your lady a gift. I am talking about the Manscaped Performance Package. And uh, with this package, you get the Lawnmower 4.0. You also get the, uh, the Ball Toner the ball deodorant, uh, and the uh, with the uh, there you go as uh, as uh, as modelled by Mr. Daniel Batten. There, it's um, I, I, like me and Rodri talked on Friday. The uh, the ball toner, uh, if you just need to give yourself a bit of a refresh uh, and a spray, it is uh, it is mind blowing. It is life changing. It can freshen you up, but also the uh, the ball deodorant is anti chafing. It's particularly good if you do a lot of sport. If you do a lot of running. Things like that, um, where you're sweating a lot, I think it's, it's genuinely can help you. Um, I was surprised by the effect, and I was open about that. I'm not going to just, uh, you know, just say something's good for the sake of it. I'm very honest with you guys with anything I talk about, and like I was so shocked by the toner and the, and the deodorant. It, it was just unbelievable. Um, and like obviously, you know, with my physical uh, issues, I don't do a lot of running and stuff like that. But I'd imagine, Danny, like you, you do a lot of jujitsu, you do a lot of grappling, you do a lot of exercise and physical strenuous stuff with sparring, things like that. I'd imagine like anti-chafing stuff is going to be good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, you know what? It's one of those things, you, you know, no one's going to believe me unless they try it themselves. Um, yeah, I do do a lot of jiu-jitsu, do a lot of kicking on the bag, 
um, you know, which is almost like a running motion. You, you really accelerate into the bag time and time again when you're doing conditioning and fitness on the bag. Uh, this stuff works wonders. It really, really does. And um, you, you just got to get it to try it. And I guarantee you, anyone that gets onto it will be hooked. And uh, it'd be something that will be in your cupboard at all times, being used on a regular, regular basis. Um, yeah, great, great stuff. And the thing is, like in terms of the 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 shaver, like it's uh, it's waterproof, and um, that helps because you can do it in the shower. But I used it to trim my beard. You can use it to shave your legs if you're a female, or if you just want to shave your legs. Obviously, you can shave your your different parts of your body. And I was just so pleased with the quality of it. I'd gone through so many different beard trimmers; they just haven't quite been right. They're either too wide or too heavy. It's the weight of it. It's got this little torch on it just under the blade. Um, and it's just because it's small as well, you can kind of get in and out. And also, like I said, you can keep everything in, in that thing. And look, without being too graphic, there's nothing worse than if you're having a little bit of a, a tidy up downstairs. If you just get like a little nick and you just nick yourself, it's not nice. Not nice at all. It stings. Snag the bag, as it were. This avoids right. that. And it's it's top quality, top quality shaver. And um, I have to say, I am thrilled by the quality of it and just what it's done. Manscaped is going beyond the groin with their new refined cologne. You, so you've got the, which offers a light yet masculine fragrance that will leave your lady on the naughty list this Christmas. Um, it's got hypoallergenic ingredients that are vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free and paraben-free, which in my opinion just makes the something which is a quality product even more appealing. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about very quickly is, and I talked about this, I think, the other day, is uh, they also sent us a pair of their anti-chafing boxer shorts. So they remind me of the Calvin Kleins in the material, but just the, the quality of them, um, it's, I was shocked. Yeah. I was pleased. The, uh, the boxer shorts, I really, I'm going to definitely be getting myself a few pairs of them because um, I'm really particular about my boxer shorts. Like, I, I tend to have certain brands and certain styles. I'm definitely going to add, add Manscaped to my cycle of boxer shorts. Um, so I was surprised by that. You can get nose hair trimmers, uh, which are also, they're waterproof. They've got a 360-degree rotary blade system. Probably get that as I'm getting a bit older now, the old ear hairs and nose hairs. <laughs> it's unavoidable, mate. It's unavoidable. And yep. I think in 2021, there's nothing to be ashamed about you know a bit of male grooming manscape.com use the code fight show 20% off free shipping worldwide you can get anything you want so treat yourself this christmas treat your your family your friends get them to treat you whatever it may be it's definitely worth it you will definitely find something for you help us by helping support our brand partners and of course we thank them for sponsoring the show no less my friend um, and I, again, will say it very clear. Um, I won't just promote any product just because it's beneficial to us. Like I only will, pro I only want to promote products, which I believe in, which I use in, uh, which are quality. And I cannot speak highly enough of Manscaped, um, from their service in terms of delivery to the quality of their products. So, yeah. I and to add in, Christmas is coming. Christmas, Christmas is coming. coming. Christmas is coming. Use the code FIGHTSHOW. Um, so, 
what I would like to say, mate, is we're going to just uh, just have a quick a quick chat about uh, the weekend's fights because we've been treated. It's episode one hundred. We've been treated to uh, to two guests, uh, including a world champion. But uh, we did have some incredible fights over the weekend. From a Bellator point of view, for me, um, the only fight I was really had my eyes on was the um, Cyborg versus Sinead Kavanagh fight. Um, I was really rooting for Sinead Kavanagh, really, really was. And, um, you know, she fought <sighs> Cyborg just had too much. And, uh, you know, she yeah. finished, her, finished her quickly. Um, I'm, I'm almost like I would never criticise a fighter for going where they can go and get paid and all that. You know, I want fighters to get paid as much as possible. But yeah. I am, I'm, I'm very gutted that Cyborg's gone to to bail at all because I feel like the only fighter on the planet at the moment who can give her a go is Amanda Nunes. And You're exactly right. Different companies. Yeah, they're both absolute standouts, aren't they, um, in their different promotions. Of course, you know, we have witnessed them together, but I don't know. Something tells me that the only way really we're going to be satisfied with these two people is to see a trilogy of some sorts, you know, get them to do the, the, the triple whammy. Um, you know, you, you kind of like to really vamp it up. You'd hope Cyborg would perhaps win their next face-off if it ever were to happen so you could have a final one. Um, yeah, but you're right. You know, she's just looking unstoppable, isn't she, in that promotion? She's just looking unstoppable. Yeah, and she she's not really young. She's not a spring chicken anymore, but she yeah, looks every bit as good as the day she stepped in the ring and cage. Yeah, she looks so sharp, mate. Um, yeah. Really, really impressive performance. Um, moving on to the UFC, mate. Um, there was a few standout performances, but um, let's start with the main event, mate, and kind of just work backwards very quickly. Absolutely, yeah, sure. Max, no problem. Max Holloway, ranked one versus Yair Rodriguez. Holloway picked up the unanimous decision victory. This was a fantastic fight. Oh, um, and yeah. Yair Rodriguez, mate, look, I know... You know, Max Holloway is an all-time great. He's just unbelievable. But Yaya Rodriguez deserves a tremendous amount of credit for the way he fights and after having yeah. so much time out. And I really look I really look forward to him pushing on now. Uh, hopefully he can get stay injury free because he's such an exciting fighter to watch. Max, oh, Holloway, wasn't he? Is an, Max Holloway is an animal. Yeah, yeah. Uh Max Holloway had some issues to figure out with this one. Um after that first round, I was kind of gobsmacked at Rodriguez's performance. So explosive and diverse in his thinking and approach to his striking that even Max Holloway couldn't stop it all coming at him. You know, he was getting connected with, he got connected with punches, with kicks and, and those body kicks. Oh, not only do they sound horrible, do you see his rib? It looked like a rib had been put, put out. It just looked oh, horrific. But Holloway, although he got shin kicked, uh, his legs really got worked over by Rodriguez and not in a subtle way. I mean, he was hacking him in. And never once did he show really a limp or an impediment on his stance. Uh, I mean, it's a pain threshold to behold. He ended up getting nastily cut as well, didn't he, um, Holloway? But was not shy to mix it up into the pocket. Um, Holloway has just got so much talent. Not only has he got heart, not only has he got incredible uh, cardio, but he's able to adapt and change on the job at a pace that can't be matched. Rodriguez is a complete athlete in every retrospect. He can be explosive. He's got cardio about him, creative, but he eventually got ground down, partly due to the fact that I think he's had two years out. I think 
you know, having your first step in after two years out and having a five-round war against someone of Holloway's uh, calibre, probably was a step too far for him. But boy, he put on an awesome performance. He only gained respect for that performance that he put on against Holloway. But we can't take away from the fact that Holloway, wow, what a fighter he's becoming. We already knew he was great, but he's going beyond that now. Um, this guy literally is a, a living legend in the works. He really, really is. He's, he's a special talent. He really is. Amazing. Yes, indeed, he mate. And then um, we had uh, Marcus Ruggiero de Lima defeated Ben Rothwell via a TKO. Uh, Dan Hardy and Dana White agreed for a change, first and foremost. They were not happy with the referee in this one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they thought it stopped a little earlier. He, he looked like he, he was going to stop it and then not. Yeah, yeah. And I think that physical contact, I think, is the thing. Because once the yeah. fighter feels the referee touch him. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's Again, it's you know, the referees are really in a difficult situation with it all. Yeah. And that, that they're going to make almost, not half judgments, but, you know, flinches like, oh, shall I step in? But then it, it quickly about turns and, and the person defending suddenly um, has some fight in them. Or it looks like they can find a way out. Uh, so I, to me, I'm not going to be overcritical about what I saw regards to refereeing. You know, I think it was a good stoppage overall. Um, and, uh, you know, just not deter from, you know, the two fighters and what they did here. Look, Lima come out and did the right type of thing against Ben Ruffer. Ben Ruffer, once he gets going and he gets momentum forward, he's a big dude. He cuts weight to make this weight division. You know, he cuts weight. You have to be a seriously sizable dude to, to be doing that. Um, and he comes with bags of cardio. It's not like he cuts weight and um, it's detrimental to his cardio. He's a grinder. He's a mm. grinder. But what he ain't is necessarily a fast starter per se, although he does chuck out lots of hands and kicks and he gets really tucked in. But Lima come out explosively and caught Rothwell off step and he just never got a chance to really get 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 going he just couldn't get ignited um i think if rothwell instead of trying to be the warrior that we know he is and fight back and just throw with abandonment i think if he just let lima bust his nuts so to speak and um and, and just play it cool i think rothwell would have um you know ground out on lima but yeah ben he chose to throw down and it went against him Yes, indeed it did, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, then we had uh, Felicia Spencer defeated Leah Letson via TKO. Yeah, yeah. Spence did not hang about, knew what she wanted. She wanted to get tucked in with a clinch. Didn't look hell-bent on her takedown at all. We seemed to just be totally happy to press uh, Lee Letson up against the fence and, and grind on her um, with, with punches, knees, foot stumps. The odd little feel for a takedown if it felt that it was just to do so. But did she just beat her up against the fence? Um, Letson was kind of disappointing here because she allowed it to happen, not for one round, but two rounds. And it wasn't until round three that she actually come out with something assertive of her own. Um, and that was coming in the form of a takedown, funny enough. She shot in and, and took Spencer down. But it was quite short-lived there. You know, she couldn't get a great deal of work. But, you know, it seemed that she was willing to come with something different to try and change the trajectory that Spencer was having on, on Letson. But, yeah, it was an interesting strategy, but, boy, did it work. Um, yeah, fair play to Spencer. She's a feisty little animal, isn't she? She yeah. definitely likes to get mucked in there and tucked in there. She very much reminded me of what uh, Randy Couture used to do. He used to um, use his newly acquired boxing skills 
to get that wrestling clinch. And because he was coming in an ageing adversary, you know, he's well into his 40s, wasn't he, while he's still quite at the top of his game, he would use his wrestling control and knowledge just to beat them up against the fence. Um, I remember him fighting Tito Ortiz, doing a fantastic display of, of someone older, more mature in the wrestling, literally just beating him up so much so that, you know, he, he got punched to the floor from up against the fence. So, yeah, that's what we saw from Spencer. Really, really good. Um, yeah, onwards and upwards for her. Letson, she's got to learn to diverse her, uh, uh, her changes in rounds. When one thing ain't going well, you've got to switch it up. She took two rounds to decide to switch it up. Yeah, not the way to go winning about. Yeah, 100%, mate. Uh, Chaos Williams defeated Miguel Bereza via TKO. Chaos Williams, uh, I think, was coming off the back of a loss, so he needed... Yeah, that. he had a good win. Yeah, he had a good win, then he had a loss, uh, and now he's back on winning ways again. Um, when he got his win, I was really impressed with Chaos Williams. This fight, I felt like he's just chasing for the knockout, and yes, he got it, but it was an ugly affair and come with its risks. Um, that... Baser, I think I pronounced his, uh, his his name right. But he's a pretty decent striker himself. You know, he doesn't necessarily sit down on his shots as much as Chaos was choosing to. But he has a, a pretty um, handy leg kick on him. And he's kind of lengthy and rangy and sharp. Um, it very, very went against, very nearly went against Chaos. And Chaos wasn't having it his own way whatsoever. Um, in fact, I think out of the pair... If it had gone the distance, my money would have gone on Baser to, to, to win it. I felt like he just had the better form. But Kelsey is such a powerful dude, and he was pulling it all out there to try to get the knockout. And it come about in a very, very strange situation that Kelsey got kind of kicked off balance, and he sort of just swung a combination, not really setting it up. He just threw it out there. But look, anything that connects with a George just right is going to knock you out. It doesn't have to be the most powerful of strikes. He certainly didn't have the power behind it because his footing was all over the place, but it, it, it clipped Baser and Baser went down and it was, um, yeah, it was the end of the night for him. But I do worry for Curse Williams fighting in this way. He's not going to move up the ranks and, and, and stay with that, that increment of improvement. Um, if he's going to carry on doing it, it's just not strategic. It's not tactical. It's just not the way to go for him. And so I hope he's can't give him a good old talking to and he comes out a little bit more tactful minded next time. Yes, indeed, mate. Yes, mate. But he's got a lot of potential. He's a, he's a good fighter. Potential he's for sure. Knockout, but, knockout power, he's, power, but he's got to work on some. He's got to have game plan. He's got to have game plan and he's got to have setups. You can't expect to get wins like this just um, by throwing it all out there in any which way that comes. He's got to prep it up and play the game, be more sporty with his approach to, to the fight game in the MMA if he wants to break through and make real noises in that division. Yes, indeed. And then lastly, we had uh, Sa Dong, Song Yadong defeated Julia, uh, Julio Arce uh, via the TKO. I'm a big fan of Song. Um, yeah, Song Yadong, absolutely bags of potential. I don't think we've seen really what he's capable of just yet. I think there's more to come from him. Um, they stylistically was frustrating me in the first round. They both clearly had respect of their potential explosive power in the striking range. There was opposite stances, which I think made it difficult for to find each other and feel confident. Um, but in the corner, it was actually quite interesting. You know, the, the, they told uh, Asa, Asa, you know, you've got to step it up. You've got to get in. He may well have lost that round. And he did go chasing down Sergio Long. He did start trying to chase him down. But along with doing that, 
you know, you do open yourself up and Song Yudong just makes good decisions and really assertive decisions. And he landed the strikes and, and got the win. Looking really, really good. I'd like to see him, you know, move up those ranks and get a little bit more tested. But um, I, I think this guy's got some positive trajectory going in his favour. I think he's going to start making some noises. Uh, I think some of the higher ranked people have been watching him and going to be watching him even more closely after that performance. Um, although I'm being critical of them both in that first round, I think it was the opposite starts, the similar style, similar range, and both having that knockout potential that created that snooze fest of a first round. I, I found it really frustrating. I, don't, I think we've just been spoiled with such amazing performances, haven't we? That when you see people being a little shy to tuck in, it, um, we kind of like, can lose yeah, interest in the fight. I, paid a, I did pay attention all the way through and um, I like what um, Asa was doing in terms of pushing forward. He absolutely needed to do that. But Song Yudong, maybe uh, when he went back to his corner, they said, look, he's going to come chasing bed down on your shots and catch him on the counter as he comes in and he did and it worked yes indeed he mate um so that wraps us up for um episode 100 of the danny batten fight show and what an episode it was uh please do download the audio version at the sports social podcast network links to everything on that is underneath this video and of course on our social media and stuff like that subscribe to youtube channel Follow on social media. Most of all, spread the word. Help us grow. Uh, we really, really enjoy what we do. We really enjoy and how much is growing and stuff like that. But we want to grow more. We need yeah. and so, help to help uh, us can grow. I just, yes, let mate. me just do a quick shout out. Weekend, I was at a fight show. Um, I had two amateurs and one pro fighter fighting. Um, and we picked up a British uh, title. Um, so well, well done to... Uh, Denzel for doing that and Afsan great fantastic win as well unfortunately we didn't get the win on that pro fight but he fought a wrestling coach um, of a well-renowned gym so you know and did very well very close fight so a big shout out for those guys you really did us proud absolutely my friend absolutely we'll be back next week for another episode of the Danny Batten Fight Show join me Monday night for the live me myself and I might even have a guest see ya Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.